And I'm on TacticalDistributors.com right now, trying to get more of these Neptune pants, 4.0s. The skinnies or the slims, I don't know what they are, but they, they're sick. So I need more. Unpossible 15 gets you 15% off at checkout. Just go on there, get whatever you want. They have everything. You know what else it gets you? What's it get me? Bitches. 15% off, Unpossible 15. So, again, another special, special, special guest. Yes. So, um, I want to try to introduce him and give his entire background very quickly. Hell yeah. So, John, Zero, Shrek, Sheriff of Baghdad, McPhee. So, um, he grew up outside of Chicago. Mm -hmm. Outside of Chicago. Um, not the perfect childhood. Parents, what, mother and a stepfather. Mm -hmm. Raise you to be tough. So thinks he's going to be the world's greatest diesel mechanic and welder. Decides that sucks after a few years. Going to join the Air Force. Go they, blue. They told him, yeah, yeah. And they told, but they told him he was too handsome. Right. <laughs> to be in the Air Force after some testing. Yeah. And suggested the Army. So he goes on to have a historic career. So Army, Rangers, SF, 7th Group, Unit, and... Now you're just a fucking stand-up comedian, basically, and do some training. Amen. And develop products and Amen. have fun. Is yeah. that about right? <laughs> That's about right. I, yeah. I nailed it pretty good? Yeah. Uh, right. Let's emphasize the fun, though. You know the what I fun. mean? Like, mm. uh, I feel like for years, like, I was super serious, you know? Um, you have a reputation. Yeah, the last few years, like, when I was a SAR major, <laughs> like, I was so burned Super out. Super fun to be around. Yeah, oh. it was like, hey, guys would come in my office, and they'd be like, hey, uh, SAR major, I, uh, I, uh, too slow, get the fuck out, get the fuck out. <laughs> and uh, so, like, uh, yeah, I just, like, some somewhere realized I wasn't the funny guy anymore, and then I, re I realized... I used to be the funny guy, and I just tried to get back to that. You and know? it's a lot of fun being funny. Oh, uh, I'm going to tell you Funny is this. like the best shit. Dude, you, you want to smile every day the rest of your life. Funny and positive. Like, yeah. Serious. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. Like, you, you say it during your tenure at the unit, which, you know, a, a lot of our buddies that have been on here, same tenure. I mean, what a incredible time, if you're into that, to be there. But I think I said it on one of the other ones. It was like everybody there getting close to retirement, they go through Sergeant Major. And it's like I, I remember a mutual friend of ours that was there at the time. Like he didn't know how to put the patches on the uniform and stuff. He was no. so pissed. Like by the time they all get there, it's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. get sick of the Army and, and all that kind of stuff. I mean, especially when you're in an organization like that and then you have to go do some basic Army stuff that yep. makes no sense. Uh, yeah. Everybody seems to get an attitude there at the end about it. Yeah, well, I'll tell you the patches thing. That is so real because in my army, they were sewed on. 
So you took them to a oh, sew yeah. shop. They were sewed on. And then the Velcro army comes out when I'm still in the I don't need shit army. Yeah. And then I'm a Sergeant Major in the Velcro army. And, and they're like, like, I don't know where they go. They <laughs> were all, they never moved before. <laughs> then like Sergeant Major, your, your name tag's on the wrong side. Like it is? Like, are you sure this is wrong? Like what the, are you sure? Let me look at yours. Like. I guess everyone else is right. I am not. So yeah. I'll swap them, right? But yeah, yeah, that's real, man. That is real shit, right? Well, I, yeah, I want to I want to ask you a lot of random questions, I think. Uh, some about Boom. guns and some about other things. Boom. Go. Boom. Go. Um why why do all the rangers have to learn how to sew? <laughs> yeah. Uh I'll tell you why is cuz the rangers aren't giving shit and you're having to tie it down with a piece of 550 cord. So when you can actually break something and break it where might you might could use it better, you're going to cut it up, you're going to sew that shit. Woo! Oh, is it required <laughs> that you guys learn to sew? No. No. Cuz another guy you retired with yeah. who, who was a ranger who who worked with me for a while. Anytime we needed anything, I just had him sew it. Yeah, like he on a sewing machine like a little grandma with his little readers on, like I have sewing shit up for me. Yeah, I don't think it's a ranger thing. I think it's a generational thing. Oh, it um, was. Yeah, because I mean, look, in our day, even in the unit, we just had army gear, boots, poncho liner. Oh right? yeah, like, early on. Yeah, yeah well, the so, first twenty five yeah. years or so. Yeah. So any custom gear, any. Um, Anything like that was made by the dude that was like, I think I'm going to use it like this, right? So uh, a lot of guys would just go down to the sew shop and just, you know, cut something, sew it somewhere else just to make their life a little easier. I was going to ask that because I don't think I'd ever seen that in being there. Um, But I assumed you guys had a sew shop like you have, you know, like armors and gun shop and all. Yeah, on top of the rigger shed. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, no wonder I was never there. Well, it's for fixing parachutes. Yeah. But when the machines aren't for parachutes that need to be fixed, uh, it's for, you know, you can go sew your salt kit or whatever. Yeah, I saw a lot of custom stuff back then, even like 10, 15 years ago there on guys. Yeah. Different career fields, but um, we had a lot of SEER washouts. So in the Air Force, you can go to become a SEER instructor. It's a career field. Um, we had a lot of washouts. Just, just being an instructor? Yeah. So you become a SEER specialist. So I think you participate in the SEER schools. And then eventually you become, a, as you advance through your career, you become an instructor. But um, And that is just a career field. Oh, it sounds like a horrible job. Some dudes like it. Yeah, uh, if you want to bully people. Garantham. Garantham was a SEER specialist before he transitioned. Um, yeah, you want to you yeah. cook rabbits in an ammo can all the time. <laughs> yeah. Well, so we had a lot of washouts uh, that washed out because of sewing. Um, for real it's part of their it's part of their tech school and you only get a couple well, chances the air force you probably have a lot of parachutes and stuff huh? well no this is for seer this is for oh. them doing whatever the fuck they need to do mm-hmm. and so a lot of guys would wash out at that point we had a bunch in my unit that washed out for sewing it's interesting the things mm-hmm. that can mind fuck people yeah because i mean listen i'm no seamstress but like Norma. doesn't seem like out of all the things you have to learn sewing would be the one that would it shouldn't be your kryptonite right <laughs> i wouldn't think no no. It's like uh, tying a knot around something. <laughs> a couple times. But through it once yeah. or twice. You, did you ever, um, you, you didn't grow up with guns, huh? I did not. Yeah. 
my grandpa was uh <clears throat> I grew I grew up in the city most of the most of my years, right? But yep. my grandpa was a legit redneck in a <laughs> a yeah. field full of Democrats, you know what I mean? Um and he shot and they they ended up moving to southern Illinois so when we were kids. Oh, yeah, like, that's that's country redneck there. Yeah, he uh he grew up in uh, Meridian, Mississippi and oh, yeah. never never paid for food in his life. That's real he, redneck still. Yeah. Yeah, still, right? And um, you know, he he he, he drove a car. He drove moonshine for his dad when he was a kid cuz his dad being older couldn't figure out how to drive the car and him being a kid did. Technology, man. I know, like I you give my kid my iPhone like, "Hey, this thing ain't working right, kid," right? Like yeah. so kind of same thing he figured out how to drive, but uh we shot with him a little bit. I hunted with him a little bit, but you know, just a couple weeks on the summer I get to spend with him. So you you I guess like me then develop kind of passion for shooting and firearms then it oh yeah once you're exposed to it as an adult yeah I loved it I mean we would every we had a pattern every morning you know when I when I'd go when I was a kid I'd live with them in the summer every morning we'd wake up we'd get the four excuse me four ten out we'd go get a squirrel or rabbits whatever we get we'd clean them uh, they'd go in buttermilk. That's what we'd eat tomorrow yeah. for breakfast. Yeah. And then we'd eat whatever we got yesterday. Yeah. <laughs> and if we didn't get anything, breakfast was pretty lean, right? And then uh, we'd set trout lines. We'd go fishing. We'd eat turtle. Uh, I loved all of it, cleaning it, everything. Oh, really? I loved all of it as a kid, yeah. Huh, it's interesting. I wasn't re- I wasn't exposed to that until I was an adult. Like, I, I, m- like your family, my family was from South Georgia, and they were country people, and then a couple, gener- well, generation and a half before me, they all moved to the city, and so that was, there was yeah. no exposure to it, so I never had any exposure until I was an adult. Yeah. Huh. huh, huh, huh. Yeah, interesting how, and so you just fell in love with it. Yeah, especially cutting shit up guts and shit like that. I loved all of that. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> so you, you had to lie on the psyche valve, huh? Um, I didn't lie. <laughs> yeah. I know the difference between right or wrong. An omission of information is not lying. <laughs> <laughs> I know the difference. Yeah. Well, you, um, so it, it, was it when you got into the unit that you got really into pistol shooting? Because that's yeah. the only place I've seen where there is a lot of pistol shooting. Yeah, I, <clears throat> I was terrible with a pistol before I came to the unit. Everyone Shocking. is unless you shoot a lot. Yeah, shockingly horrible. Like yeah. worse than average. Oh, yeah. And I was so when I joined the army, the army's like, oh, you're a lefty. We don't train lefties here, kid. Put the gun in your other hand. So I did everything in Ranger Battalion as a righty, (laughs) which makes me terrible than everybody because I'm not a righty. I'm a lefty, but I didn't even know I was a lefty because I didn't even have a chance to be a lefty yet. And but. I'm not a righty either, right? So that was me in uh, kindergarten with the scissors. Oh yeah, yeah. they didn't have a left-handed scissors. They're <laughs> no. like, no, you're right-handed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So uh, my first few years in Ranger Battalion was, um, <clears throat> I was probably the bottom of the stack when it came to any firearm. Because <laughs> really, yeah, I hadn't figured out what hand to use, what eye to use, you know. Because I'm a lefty, and then. Over the years, I started to figure it out, but uh, I think the Army probably did me a disservice by making me do everything right-handed from yeah. Jump Street. What'd they have when you joined? It was, they had Berettas by then. Yeah, Berettas, I yeah. think. 
Well, I don't know. I think it was Maybe still... 1911? Uh, yeah, I think basic training was uh, Berettas, but I think the 1911 was still in service in the Army. All right, so you do that. Um, when, when do you start, though, falling in love with shooting and weapons? Like, is it a Ranger? Yeah. Uh, where is that? Where does that happen? So, probably in the Rangers... <clears throat> In Ranger Battalion, you're just, uh, you know, the amount of ammo that you get to shoot <laughs> as a young kid. Uh, so, love machine guns, love everything about them, right? Um, so, I really liked rifles. I've always liked rifles. I, I actually don't like pistols. I don't care about pistols. I don't care about teaching pistol. I know I'm good at it, and I know I can help a lot of people. My passion has always been long range really? and long rifles, yeah. I didn't know that. Love it. Love everything about it, yeah. I, I thought you were yeah. going to tell me you just went to sniper school because, like, no. you thought it was required no. to get somewhere else or something. No, I lo- loved everything about it. Matter of fact, I didn't think... Uh, when I got promoted to a, be a team leader in the unit, I thought I would take a sniper team. <laughs> and when they gave me an assault team, they're like, hey, you're going to be the next team leader. It was like, yes, and got promoted in combat even, you know, first guy out of my OTC class. Like, this is great, right? Yeah. And I'm like, okay, what team, you know? And uh, they said an assault team. I was like, <laughs> You want me to be in a go back to being a salter? And they're like, I would have picked you for that too, knowing you then as well. <laughs> well, hey, my squadron's arm major was like, Yeah, you're a 400 pound gorilla. You should be on an assault team. Yeah. And I was like, Yes, our major. <laughs> John's getting old and skinny now, but I've he, seen some pictures. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Big boy. Like a fucking dump truck, man. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, yeah I love, I love long guns, long range. So, Fell in love with the rifle in Rangers, oh, you know. Okay. Yeah, and and who doesn't fall in love with the rifle as a Ranger? Seriously. Yeah. Well, well, you, I was gonna say in Ranger Battalion. I'm not sure what years you were there, but what what were you guys carrying? Uh, um, yeah. Back then was you started out as a rifleman with right. an actual M16, oh, you know, and yeah. then and then you moved up and it was like you were the Grenadier, the 203, oh, yeah. and then oh. the sh- super shitty original saw. Yeah. <laughs> you were a saw gunner, and then uh, then I moved up to be a 60 gunner, uh, and then I transitioned from the 60 to the Mag 58. Wow. Yeah. Uh, we transitioned to those pre two forty. Yeah, and then uh, then I I uh, got recruited to be a sniper, a company sniper. So then it was Remington seven hundreds and M fours. Yeah. yeah, was it? It was M twenty fours then. Yeah, M twenty fours. Yeah, that's what we did all the time. That's all we did. It's a cool gun. It is cool. Yeah, and, you know this is a a real one. When Remington bought my company, they gave me this gun, and it mm. was one of four or six or something that uh, like a national guard sniper unit they couldn't buy the guns so remington leased them to them and so they went on some deployments and remington ended up getting them back so this is one that's actually was in combat and everything Yeah, it says m24 on the action and stuff which is cool yeah and and so they said they were i forget if it was four or six but this is one of those that's the optic that's the paint job and that's the gun only thing i've changed well is the rear um scope cover broken Yes. Okay. Well, I haven't yeah, changed it, it. It's still the same one. Yeah. Um, that gun shoots. Oh my god! But yeah. th- that's like a real one, so that's cool. Yeah. That, that's not one of those cloner things. I'm yeah. trying to get a clone one. So. Yeah, and this gun back then, I think, 
for the army was like six or seven thousand dollars. These Damn. guns were a lot. It wasn't just a seven hundred. Yeah, they weren't cheap back then. That's for sure. Yeah. Um, so that's what you loved. That's yeah. What when was what was your first exposure to a gun with a silencer? Uh, Ranger Battalion. It was? Yeah, and uh, I was on a sniper team, and I'm telling you, I loved this can. It was quiet. I still haven't seen this to this day. They're gone, and I wish they came back. It was the can where it went all the way to the front sight post tower over an M4. Oh, over an M4. Uh, oh, the Allen the, can? Yeah. I don't, I don't no. know what kind of can it was. Ops, I was a Ranger. Oh, pre-Allen. But it bolted onto the front sight post tower. Was there, there was a, a piece that went, is a two-piece thing that clamps around the barrel and engages on the bayonet lug? And I think so, yeah. It's an, op, it's an op sync can. I have one upstairs, I'll show you. But I, when I was a young ranger, they, you know, like, when I went to a sniper team, that's what they had. And it was like, how clever most of the suppressor is underneath the barrel, right? Like, why not do that, yeah. right? Oh, does um, it look like a flashlight, that clamp part? It almost looks like a... It's just a donut. Yeah. It goes around the barrel. Two you. Allen screws. It engages the, the, the bayonet lug. lug. Yeah. And it's got a little taper on it in the silencer. Yeah. Threads on the muzzle, but goes back to it and aligns back there. Yeah, yeah. those are great cans. Because that's like in... um, What's his name in the Navy? The Lone Survivor. Marcus uh, Luttrell. Yeah, that but that's you know he had the Mark Twelve, 12 yep. and it's got like the next generation of that can uh. on it. So so they the Navy continued to use them for quite a while actually. That's a this is a great can. It was actually in hindsight there was a lot of cool features ahead of its time. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. I don't know why the the civilian market had never caught on, right? Because it goes backwards over the barrel. Yeah, you know now what we've discovered is with technology then that was awesome. But now, with like more modern design and technology, you basically have to go six inches over the barrel to equal one inch in front of the muzzle mm. or thereabouts. But yeah, at that time, because those, there was like all that um, psionics, Mac, terrible shit from the Vietnam era. And then this was kind of like the next generation of stuff, the OpSync scan, like you're talking about. So it was a huge leap forward, you know, for the size, very lightweight. They were very quiet. You know, it's, it's very durable. Going over the barrel like that, yeah, it, it, it's cool. It was the, the guy uh, Phil. Um, the hell's his name? Because those, those are his initials. O P S oh. Seaburger. Phil Seaburger was the guy. He was a dentist, and he was this crazy old son of a bitch from um, California somewhere, maybe near San Francisco or something. And he, he was the the meanest dude in the world and i remember when he was still alive about 20 years ago at shot show he came in our booth and he hated everyone and he came up to me and started talking about my mother jesus like picking a fight he was, <laughs> he was seriously then like 80 years old and uh it, he would fuck with reed and I, I mean he was just like a son of a bitch <laughs> he was so mean was alan at ops inc yeah so he's he the guy life. that kind of yeah. made all the cans for seaburger yeah and then when seaburger died um i think his daughter tried to continue it but alan just made him himself i forget his first name but yeah. i don't think of it um yeah so that's how surefire silencers happened actually barry duke worked for ops inc mm. and then he uh took that design surefire and they did the little Mount, the and they used um, Inconel instead of uh, 304 stainless. 
And so, yeah, Seaburger wanted to murder Barry Duke <laughs> until the day he died. <laughs> but, yeah, that's how Surefire did silencers. Barry Duke was in the Marine Corps and then got out and went to work for Seaburger doing those mm. silencers. Wow, I didn't know that. Small world. Super so, small. It's all connected. It's yeah. like that six degrees of Kevin Bacon separation yeah. or whatever. Yeah. yeah. Um, all right, so that was Ranger Battalion. Um you know, it was interesting when I first started my company, my, my old company, and we started doing silencers, like the Army, they were such assholes about silencers. Like you talk to any of the SF groups or Ranger Battalion, silencers degrade accuracy, they're stupid, they're heavy, fuck you, we, we're not interested. But the Navy was real progressive. I mean, they always were kind of using silencers, it seemed like. And they had some good stuff. Um, when is the first time, okay, how about this? When's the first time you used um on oh, something other than a sniper rifle, an optic, whether it be a red dot or a magnified optic on like a, an assault rifle or a machine gun. Yeah, the first time I did that was OTC. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> yeah. So all the way to yeah. the unit before it, you use. It was what, an aim point 5,000, yeah. 1,000? Yeah. I don't know, something thousand. <laughs> will, you, will you remember the, the first time I saw an aim point was in an ad in like 1991 uh and it's scoff overseas mm -hmm. with, with like unit guys protecting them yep, they, they yeah. had them on their carrying, carrying handles, handles yeah. yep. with that unit vest you yeah. know the fishing vest yeah yeah with the ray-bans yeah <laughs> uh yeah so so really that's when it okay yeah. I, I was assuming that was what it would be Damn. actually um yeah, I, I hadn't seen anything like that. Even when I was in Ranger Battalion, even sniper rifles, they didn't fit in like the lockup cages in the arms room with the optics on it. So every night when we locked them up, we had to take them, our optics off and then re-zero in the next morning just to go train. Is I mean, isn't it crazy that yeah, that's that's, that kind of stuff dictates a lot of things? Yeah, that's how the Army was, yeah. And then... Um, yeah, the first time I seen real suppressors was the unit, you know, and, um, you know, you get suppressors. And they you, just really started getting into it, like, when the war kicked off. Yeah. We had been testing, um, I don't know, as a sniper in the unit, we had been testing, like, suppress, subsonic, mm -hmm. you know, the uh, the assassinate a world leader at 600 yards with the suppressed subsonic shot you know what i mean we had been <laughs> trying that you know oh, yeah uh All the crazy shit. yeah and you know i would tell you this is like my first real experience with suppressors like not just throwing it on the end for noise and yeah. doing what i was going to do anyway um was then and we would go down and we would draw like uh the guy told me that I worked for at the time, he's like, hey, go to the arms room, go draw 10 suppressors, and then meet me on the range. And I'm like, okay, draw 10 suppressors. So they go to the arms room, right? And and you know <laughs> you know who Grumpy works in the oh, arms room? Oh, now, yeah. Oh, Charlie. Yeah, go tell him you want 10 suppressors, right? And he's got to do the hand receipt, and like they're all mad at you, right? So I go down range, but what you didn't know back then was – one of them's going to be seven mils that are left. One's going to be, yeah. and one is going to be almost dead on or pretty darn close. Yeah. And that's the one you're going to use. Right. And what's funny is, is I wrote like seven mils left on a suppressor, uh, in paint marker. Right. Jesus. And, uh, years later, 
my sniper team. Now I'm the second in charge, right? We get a new guy, right? My new guy. Uh, I tell him, I give him the 10 suppressor thing. He looks at me like I'm the dick, right? But uh, his suppressor that had the least amount of zero shift on his gun was the one that was seven mils off on my gun. You know, you bring up a good point because silencers, any asshole can make a silencer. It's not hard. But making hundreds or thousands of them where you can be consistent. And then, you know, like I understand is, is like, my journey in the industry goes on. I understand Knight's armament and read like if you, you know, cause I can make the best silencer mounting system, but if the shoulder on the barrel is shit or those tolerances aren't good, it, it might seem like the silencer is a thing causing an issue with point of impact shift or accuracy when actually it's not. So, you know, that's why you see all of our guns. We have tapers on the muzzle and we're trying to mitigate all of that stuff. And now we're essentially trying to be like knights. Like we want to build the whole thing so we can control it. So you don't have a situation like you did. Right. You know, but I've always thought it was interesting with the unit. Like the unit never wanted to get all of their stuff at one place. Like, you know, they don't never had all HKs or all Colt or all, you know, KAC. Um, And when you start mixing and matching, you know, you're going to have to figure out some of that stuff. Which yeah. the unit was a great place to do those things because it had the resources and uh, wanted to do it. Um, but it's difficult, you know, especially when you're working with H&K and they're German and you're working with FN and they're Belgium and, you know, we're in America. Well, by the time you got up there, I assume that they'd been using cans already for a bit and you just were unaware of it. Because I'm trying to think, like, I think Gary Gordon's rifle had a can on it. Yeah. <clears throat> um, I had used cans in Ranger Battalion, oh. but only because I was a sniper. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. Like um, the cans that uh, when I start really using cans was the unit. Because right, when you right. think about this, mid-90s in the Army, uh, you think any Army unit in 1995 had one suppressor. Yeah, no, <laughs> you yeah, know I what I mean? So it, yeah. the unit was really where... Uh, I learned almost anything about yeah. suppressors other than as a sniper, I had a suppressor for right. my sniper team. Um, you know, there's a few suppressors, you know, in the Ranger Battalion, but yeah. like everyone didn't have one. Or right. Anything it like just that. made me think, because when you were talking about you had been testing stuff, blah, 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 like it made me think, like, I wonder how long they'd been using them. Because I, w- I was sitting here thinking about it. I'm like, I think Gary Gordon's rifle uh, had a can on I, I, I He did. I think they tested a lot of stuff, and there would be a few guys. And, I mean, of course, John would know better than me, but when I started doing a lot of silencers and working with the unit a lot, they still, the 22s were from the late 70s. Yeah, that's crazy. And the arms room would rebuild them. And then I saw um, pistols that, I did silencers for back in the early 2000s that were there, but they'd probably only been used once or twice. And I, I saw, and there were MP5 SDs, and then there was like random things that looked like they were testing over the years. Mm. And I know there were, um, but there wasn't much. They, they were, weren't really into silencers until. Yeah, well, I mean, even Tom Smith told us that, that he was just like, they told us, take all your cans off. Like, which at that at that time I think he was running four sixteen, so it well, wasn't like this was the early nineties. Well, like, the four sixteen that was a different thing. So that was around oh five oh six, mm-hmm. and the so you guys have obviously access to all army stuff, 
and so the army, you know, and SOCOM had night scans. Mm-hmm. But on, you know, the problem with some of the requirements and who does them is like the 416, there was never a requirement for that gun with a silencer. Uh-oh. And I don't, that's my understanding, and it wasn't really thought about. And then you get the gun, oh, we have these silencers. Of course, dudes are going to put them on there. Yeah, we want to but it would cause reliability issues. And so until they adopted a can, then it went to a down select between us and Surefire, and Surefire won that, and I think that's 06. And um, it was because of reliability of the gun, because of back pressure. You know, that gun was designed for, or that silencer for the M4, 14 and a half inch barrel. And and so it doesn't mean you put it on the 416. That's a whole different operating system. And so my understanding was it was just a reliability thing. And so they ran you know, a whole program to get a silencer that wouldn't sacrifice reliability. Yeah. Um, it's just crazy to think of the development over time. Like you reach a period of time, late nineties, early two thousands where, okay, cans are more acceptable or we're going to start using them more Then you get that new platform. And everyone's like, fuck a can get it, get off. Um, to then now where they're a standard. Yeah. I mean, what do you think using silencers in combat, like let's say once the war kicks off and everything are and you're an assaulter, run an assault, everybody's using a silencer. I think it's a waste. I would say this in every one of those massive G base like firefights. And then they even make movies about these Restrepo or any of those movies. Every one of those, every gun is so hot to the point that it fails. And the guys are running around from gun to gun hoping one cools enough that it'll shoot a couple of rounds. So I can't understand how having a suppressor in these situations would actually help. Um, Now, what I would say is there's a time to use it. When's the time to use it? You're a sniper. You're on buildings maybe down the block. You got to open up early. I would suppress then. I would take my early shots in front of the uh, assault force, right? And then what I would do is I would take it off in case I had to do anything else. I I think, uh, you know, and I don't know if this is true or not, but the mindset through my time was this adds heat quickly to the gun and this is going to be quicker to this gun failing right so is the noise we're making um a bigger detriment right than what the suppressor would give us Mm -hmm. and you know so i would say my 90 percent of the time i was running without only because wow yeah because think about this if this is a shit show today once this turns bad i'm not gonna have time to take off a hot can right okay so i need to make the decision ahead of time do i need to be quiet yes or no and and do i think i'm gonna have to shoot a ton of rounds yes or no was this okay? Is that let's say the majority of the operations being like nighttime? Um, you know, you guys are going on hits at night, maybe 10, 20 a night. Are you you're still no silencer? If you're using a helicopter, there's no reason to use a silencer. It's true, birds, a lot of shit, right? So, any helo mission waste. Now, so I would tell you thinking this about I'd if you guys it. are getting shot back at being able to differentiate. You know who's shooting, or muzzle flash, or sound, or comms, or anything. No, 
Um, I would tell you this if you're trying to hide muzzle flash. Great way to do it. You know, nothing says shoot here in the dark like a 7.62. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, like yeah. return fire there. Uh, so a suppressor could be great for that. But, I mean, honestly, like, look, if if you did a lot of things right, if you were on a helicopter, no reason to have a suppressor, right? Um, if you had proper, I don't know, if, if you had proper standoff and proper, um, I don't know, placement inside a building you could hide your muzzle flash even though there's noise you know what i mean and if there's just a ton of shooting and like so much noise in war and there's so much noise so like actual gunfight yeah not like, just an offense yeah yeah i mean i i think the problem is is uh and i say this all the time is a lot of guys prescribe to what i would call the soft enemy concept where we're only going after maybe a couple guys and there's only going to be a couple um rounds exchanged does that make sense mm-hmm. yeah in in those situations a, a suppressor would be fine but what if this lasted six hours two hours five hours right could yeah. a suppressor just keep taking you know could you shoot I mean, and I don't know what they could take, and and this would be a situational-based thing, right? And I'd make the decision as this happened, but uh, it adds heat to the gun, and you'd be uh, closer to failing a little bit, I think. You know what I mean? Yeah. No, that makes sense. I mean, if you're in... never thought about that. Yeah, I just assume that, like, 99% of the time, it's not like a real gunfight where you're changing mags. Right. Or, hey, I'm a sniper, and I got to take out the guard shack. I'm suppressed, yeah. you know, and I'm doing that suppressed. Yeah. However, when I get to the regular objective where there might be more bad guys, I'll probably take it off before I get there. So huh. as a sniper, we used to do a series of on and off. Make sense? Yeah. yeah. The only thing that I'm thinking of is like, what were you guys running like Peltors at this point? Like, because I'm just thinking like if I'm inside with all my friends Ooh. and we're all touching off short rifles, I'm going to be bombed. Unless, I mean, even... Like, I would assume you guys have Peltors at this point or, or active hearing pro. Yeah, most guys wore Peltors then. Um, however, <clears throat> there is times where you can't have a Peltor on. Any type of low visibility, yeah. limited signature stuff, you may not have a Peltor on. Yeah. Fuck. I mean, we were in the plains of Africa, and there's nothing around, and being around guns going off I'm like, even this sucks touch them off in the serengeti right yeah <laughs> so <laughs> it's it's a headache now being inside of a mud house with all my friends too oh. fuck that i used to tell guys like uh when i do the uh the taxi thing in and around baghdad i used to tell guys i pick up i'd be like hey if i have to shoot it is normal if your ears bleed or the windows break from the gunfire. That's normal. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> be warned. Yeah. Be warned. Okay, so that was <clears throat> made me think of a few questions. So you just answered one. You've shot from inside a vehicle before. Yeah. Then inside a room. It's loud. Yeah. So loud. I mean, personally... I think every gun should be suppressed, and I think it should be part of the barrel and how the bullet just comes out. There should be no reason why guns make noise that could make people deaf because most people that shoot guns are law enforcement or military, not criminals. You shoot um, a pistol in combat? Um, No. I am a rifleman. 
my rifle works, uh, I would be borderline embarrassed if my rifle jammed. And it was something I could control. Maintenance, mm. oil, you know what I mean? Yeah. I would be embarrassed, right? However, 50 times a night, I am to my pistol because I might be carrying a ladder, right? I carry a ladder. Okay, so I'm you, helping someone so, walk. So you carried a pistol all the time? Every night in my hands, dozens of times a night. And you used it all the time? Just never no, had to shoot anybody? No, not had to shoot anybody. Yeah. Did you have a light on it? Uh, sometimes I did. Sometimes I didn't. Most of the time I did. Were you? I you heard you guys talking before. Were you running 1911s at this time, or had you switched to Glocks? Or oh yeah, um, that was around. Oh yeah, you definitely had a 1911 issued to you. Uh, a few of them. Yep. Yeah, <coughs> and then because because when was the switch? Do you know it was uh, 2004 or five? Maybe yeah, like I'd that. say four. Or it five. was after the war, right? Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I had 1911s, but I carried a G19. Yeah. Oh um, yeah. Yeah. Um, I was going to say, a lot of the group guys talk about carrying Glock 19s in their in like canteen yeah. pouches and shit just because they had to have them with them. Yeah. I'll tell you why I carried a G19 because most of the time I was out alone like in Baghdad and uh, I could get 9 mil anywhere. I could get Glock yeah. mags anywhere. I could get Glock yeah, stuff anywhere. Yeah, 40 wasn't so available if, over there. You know, 40 was in its infancy and not available and 45 was... If I'm out alone, I could go to any army kid, give me ammo. Yeah. You know what I mean? So uh, I I started probably carrying my G19 in Afghanistan only because it was lighter. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, we talked. And yeah, yeah you, I love that when people say, well, just work out. And like, right. you were fucking yeah. stout then. Yeah. And you're still thinking about being lighter. Dude, smaller I was, too. Hey, well, I was, yeah. I was. 245 pounds and at my riptest i was 12 percent body fat as but taken by legit body fat readers not some fucking tape measure math army bullshit and i would tell you this if i could have lightened everything i fucking had i would have yeah and you're not you weren't stronger than me and, and we're talking about yeah and we're talking yeah I, I need some of them government steroids <laughs> but, but we're talking about it too and you know and you're not even at elevation there no so like you're not sucking oxygen and crying right like that i mean that's not like afghanistan where you're like ten thousand feet that's yeah. like you're on the desert floor right there and yeah. it still sucks yeah jesus so okay so yeah you had a use so wh why were you alone uh, as a uh, in Afghanistan, being a being a reconnaissance guy, a sniper for the unit in Afghanistan, I went out alone. The book killed Bin Laden. I went out alone, a snatch a guy, right, which was like the first successful snatch of the war. Um, and then when we got to Iraq, it was just they sent me out alone daily to do shit that only one guy needed to do. And did you not feel like you were being set up? Uh, I loved it. Are you kidding me? You I'd weren't horrified. No, I go pick up. So well, a lot of times, look, the government in the beginning of the Iraq war, the government had to have like three suburbans, you know, nine bodyguards to go pick up a source. But this guy's going to dime out Saddam and all them fucking black suburbans pulled and guys with guns pulled up in his neighborhood today. He's going to be dead tomorrow. Yeah. Right. So I just go, I'd have him meet me at a mosque and I'd pull up in my orange taxi one of them that was shitty and i'd tell him get the fuck in your 91 corolla 
Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> were there, were there <laughs> 91 Maxima? Oh, 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 it's yeah. the unit. You guys had money. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> well, hey, I had this Maxima. This is a true story. That's why I say Maxima. I used to drive this Maxima downtown Baghdad and like everyone would get out of my way. Everyone all the time. Why? The Red Sea would part no matter where I drove in this car. So one day... I was with a turp. I grabbed a turp and I'm like, ask this guy why everyone gets out of the way of this car. And he was like, this was an Uday secret police car. Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> it was? It was, yeah. yeah. I didn't so even know awesome. it. I was like, yeah. yeah. yeah God, I wish we, you could have brought that back. In, yeah. in the beginning of the war, like we were just stealing cars. Like, yeah. Stuff like that. So you guys cars. didn't even know. I had no idea until I asked. Yeah. But I did know this. Is like, yeah, it's like, watch it. He'll kidnap your wife and yeah. daughter. He'll find her in the soccer field. Yeah. Uh, I didn't know that, right? But I did know this That's is so like, cool. it's like if I needed to get down quick, I'd, I'd drive that car because everyone yeah. would move out of the way all That's, the time. That's interesting. Yeah. Damn. And he, I'm, I'm sure at the time, was he still running around going crazy? He had dead yeah. then. Oh, he had uh, already been no, dead? No, no. At the time, he was still alive in the beginning of the war. Yeah, I was going to say it was... Because I feel like I remember hearing about yeah. it. I remember Cruiser. watching it. Didn't the Rangers shoot up that house that he and his brother were in or whatever? Uh, I thought they, I thought they that did. was A2. Oh, that right. was that was Hugh. Was it? Yeah, that was Hugh. Yeah. Hugh and the boys, oh. yeah. Oh. I didn't even know that. Hugh yeah. Laurie, for those listening. Yeah. Hugh Laurie House. <laughs> yeah, Doctor House. Yeah. Man. Yeah, because I feel like I, I remember, remember watching it on television. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, they went to go get him, yeah. And... We were the first guys to get one of the dogs killed that were kind of new. Uh, getting Uday and Kuse. <laughs> oh, really? Oh, yeah. a uh, working dog? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We were bad guys for that, too. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, we're in the hot wash. Like, you guys killed a dog. I was like, hey, raise your hand if anyone wants it to be you. Yeah. Shut the fuck up. That's what them guys are for. I was going to say, that's why they got I get it. I, the dog's name was Ivan. I loved Ivan. I thought he was great. But, like, it ain't one of you. Shut the fuck up. That's what they're for. Did you ever run into any issues Crazy. coming back on to, I mean, I'm not sure if you guys were at FOBs or whatever, but like I know dudes that they were like SF dudes that would roll up in, uh, in traditional garb. Um, and you'd just see a, a leg at, at the ECP point his gun at him and say, I'm going to fucking shoot you. Like, did you ever run into that? Like guys not knowing, Hey, this is, Oh me. Yeah. Like oh, when been, you're in your taxi, I've been shot. Oh, I've had vehicles shot. Yeah, by Joe all the yeah. time. Like, yeah, <laughs> and I'll get out of the car, like, you know, holding my ID card, and they'll be like, you know, and at the time I was at EA, they'd be like, "Dang, top, yeah. like, what are you doing, looking <laughs> like that, top?" You know, because yeah. in the army, EA's a top, right? right? Yeah. Like, yeah, like where I work, it's nothing. But yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. The, the army kid is a top. And they'd be like, "Dang, <laughs> top, where you get that beard, top?" <laughs> what? Why are you driving that taxi top? Yeah. <laughs> like, hey, did I'm, you have a tanning bed? <laughs> I didn't need one. I was you in Iraq. Oh, yeah, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> it is. Oh man, that is. Yeah, I don't have balls like that. I'm not. Oh, by yourself all the time, yeah. and, and you loved it. Yeah. And, well, I'll tell you what. You're I sick. was the first time I was shot at at a checkpoint. I was livid. I was fighting mad. 
Rightfully and then, so. And, and, and I, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, but think about this. This kid, this kid sits in this sandbag fucking tower yeah. in 130 degree oh, yeah. heat. Can't sleep, with, can't beat off. With an 11 pound, well, probably beats <laughs> off in there all day long. You just can't see yeah, him through yeah. the little machine gun board. Trust <laughs> I me. Know, I ain't beating off. It's 130 hey, degrees. <laughs> hey, check this out. Army guys are beating off in there all yeah, day long. Yeah, sure. <laughs> Don't fool yourself. They spunk all over. Oh. Don't ever put a black light in the guard tower. I'm just throwing it out there but like that kid sits there all day long and has to wait for some fuckhead to come blow him up and yeah finally sees his taxi and then and then like the fucking guy who won't stop for shit you know he wants to shoot like i was mad at first my name is mcphee asshole (laughs) yeah i didn't even try to do the name game with him and then a the best thing to do is start cussing with your best slang you can (laughs) what the fuck you stupid cocks and good oh he's definitely in the army definitely in the army hey because if you threw out some like mother bitch like they'd be like shoot him (laughs) he doesn't even know how to cuss shoot him it's a it's a trick it's a plan (laughs) definitely a setup yeah sleeper cell be like how do you know how did you know corporal and he'd be like he said mother bitch sergeant (laughs) who says that oh my god your insight is incredible (laughs) but uh yeah they used to shoot and then like what could i do like and then i'm rolling up in a taxi maybe not do that and then uh, well it's my job you know i'll tell you like one of the first nights i rolled up i was in a minivan with a crew of dudes and like the the crew of your dudes or yeah, dudes? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, I roll up into the checkpoint and the the check the Iraq wide policy in entering a checkpoint at night is you must have an IR strobe inside the vehicle, which we had. However, Joe don't got fucking yeah, night, night vision because yeah. he stands <laughs> out there all fucking night yeah. and that shit's another five fucking pounds on his head and he yeah. ain't fucking wearing it. You know what oh. I mean? So we roll up with our strobe on like what the and and you know the kid wants to shoot us and you know, they're, they're, like they swarm the fucking minivan and like you know we get out they get out and they're like dang <laughs> look at you guys and we're like dang look at you guys right and. But the the reality is is like like every time those situations would happen, you can't blame them. Yeah, you know yeah. what I mean. No one told like, them. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's like the well, Iraq I mean, policy that's, that's is well, part of you guys too. I mean, yeah, of course you don't want them knowing, so that's a little double edged sword. It is. It is. Well, the Iraq policy is have a strobe light in your vehicle, right? But no one told Joe he had to wear his night vision yeah. all night long. You know yeah. what I mean? And he's that probably will, sharing night vision with somebody too. Oh like, yeah, they got yeah. one for <laughs> ten yeah. of them. You know what I mean? Who knows? It's well, like. Uh, who's got the night vision right now? Yeah. Uh, I think Jones does, Sergeant. Yeah. Yeah. Is it ECP-3? Yeah. Well, let me ask you that. Let's let's shift into this. You bring up night vision. So we're not talking about Army, infantry, you know, 30, yeah, 30-year-old 30 shit. So for the unit, how much more successful do you estimate you guys were able to be with the you know, with the money resources you guys had, which led to the technology and thermal and night vision that you guys got to use throughout the war. Like, did, did were you guys able to, you know, be 10 times more efficient, 100 times more efficient? Like, what difference did it really make for you guys? Because you guys are just hunting at night. Yeah, yeah. I would say this. People don't understand the how... 
how the money trickles down and how the money matters to the future force. And what do I mean by that? If we didn't spend money on the guys today, uh, we're not going to have a capability for them tomorrow or in the future. Makes sense? It now, does. You and I were talking yeah. about earlier, like JFK and going to the fucking moon. Yeah. Like, who yeah. cares? Yeah. Well, okay. Now, because of that, we have GPS. Yeah. We, we have infrared thermometers. We mm-hmm. have Velcro. We have, like, all this shit that is still incredible today. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, you know, the Cold War spawned night vision, right? So, um, I would say with all of it is... The reason the American military is the most powerful military is no one spends per dollar amount per person. End of discussion. All the militaries, all the world special operations, all the world's armies that I've seen, and I've worked at other people's pentagons, whatever they're going to call them, um, no one spends that dollar amount. Now, to get that dollar amount, you have to do research and development on what the next piece of gear is. So you have to spend that money today if we're going to have a better piece of gear tomorrow. Now, when the peacetime army kicks in and no one's got money for that development, the unit still keeps that money for development and procurement, right? So, you know, that is the uh, in case of glass break kind of money for development. But it's a never ending process and it never will end. And is the more money we can spend on development on technology right now, the better stuff we'll have tomorrow. Yeah. I think for uh, like the average person that's maybe not even interested in the military and all that, it, it, it it's, I'm like, I don't think there's any American that wants to see, you know, American kids go over and be killed, you no. know, like, so just the ability even with the unit in, in some of the other groups where you can have a few guys that are so well-trained because they have resources and they have the technology that you can have a small group of guys do big things. Mm-hmm. That's, that's incredible. You know, that's only because when you think about since the war, so well, we didn't even answer the question, but thermal night vision, was mm-hmm. that like the, was that the biggest piece of technology like kit that made the biggest difference for you guys? No, no, I w- I would say uh I would say the number one biggest thing for the unit is marksmanship. Mm, it really? isn't fitness, it isn't anything else. When a unit guy aims and pulls the trigger, this fight is over. When you when you shoot 50 no. or 60,000 rounds a year through a yeah. pistol, you get good. Yeah. No. Um I would say the biggest thing in Iraq tactically maybe even strategically was the night vision and thermal piece yeah. because you know think about this i mean you know and we, we talked about this before imagine in conceptually in 2000 someone could have came at night hunted you down you couldn't have seen shit and been like what the fuck just happened right yeah. um so and that's the beginning of iraq right so um the fighting at night fighting with the night vision i mean you know the the beauty of the the unit and the development is uh you know when we were in afghanistan with the sbs Mm -hmm. they still had an individual like litten type night and dead vision device on every weapon 
So to see at night, they had to hold their weapon up, right, with some like big. Are you serious? Yeah, mm, like the a, Brits. Yeah, remember the old tubular like littons oh, and yeah. stuff. Yeah, yeah. So um, that's crazy. Yeah. I I believe organizationally they didn't have dual tube goggles like Jesus. on the books as an organization till 2009 and i think they started getting them in i had them like 10 years before yeah. them <laughs> yeah yeah well they could they could get it from us on the battlefield because we work together yeah but we couldn't buy them or sell them to them because of international law. <laughs> yeah. So we could, we were like, you know, oh, you guys need better night vision here. Take these. Yeah. <laughs> but we, you can't get them from us. That no. is so crazy. I, I didn't know the, the, those groups w- yeah. within Britain were, yeah, restricted like that. They're not restricted. What is being from cash money. flow resource? Yeah. yeah. It, it's just a money thing. I yeah. Would, I would think too with night vision and thermal, like, you're talking about um, similarly to how the the sniper became a, a way to demoralize the enemy. Night vision and thermal had to have been the same way. Where, like you're saying, you can come in it's, at night. It's got to be smoke worth. check all your friends, and you have no idea but what just happened. Because I mean, you even think of education in that part of the world, and and then also the internet wasn't widespread then. It wasn't available. Right. There weren't smartphones, and. That had to seem like fucking magic or yeah. aliens. Like, how the fuck are them. you seeing me? Yeah. I mean, I didn't even have a cell phone yet. And I was raiding people's houses with night vision and a laser. I didn't even own a cell phone. That yeah. is incredible. I owned a dual tube night vision and a laser before I owned a cell phone. <laughs> yeah, that's insane. I, I that's hard to phone. comprehend, I bet, for yeah. a lot of young people. Yeah, it, it, it is unbelievable. But, but then think about how quickly they reacted to that, where you get guys covering themselves with blankets at night and yeah. all that kind of stuff. Like how yeah. quickly they react to once they figured it out, they went, well, we can't, we can't, we have nothing equal to this, but we can figure out ways to combat it, right. which well, is insane. I always say we killed the, we kill the dumb ones first. Yeah. It's true. And that's why it gets hard after that. Yeah. Well, how, um, I have two questions on my mind right now. They're sort of unrelated, but you brought up the book that, um, that, you know, you and your guys were in uh, in the Hindu Kush to get Bin Laden right after nine eleven. Uh, the book is to kill Bin Laden. Is that mm-hmm. it's been it's been so long? Like I don't even remember the name yep. anymore. It gets lost in all the sealed books. Uh, yeah. So so that <laughs> um, yeah. So so you got the Hindu Kush, Jesus. Um, so that's real altitude, and you you guys were on the hunt. Could you guys have gotten them? Yeah. Yeah. Hundred percent. No doubt about it. Yeah. And look, I told you this. I tell everybody this. Uh, My squadron sergeant major said it took 10 of us to do what the Russians couldn't do in 10 years. And it took us 10 days. Burn, Putin. (laughs) (laughs) How good was that? Right. right? Good timing. Good timing. Uh, Now, I would say this is. I personally think that um, the war ended without informing us, the guys on the ground, (laughs) without killing all the bad guys or capturing them. And it ended because 
think about this. If bin Laden would have died in the first 10 days of December of 2001, guess where the jihad would have been? Guess where the GWAT would have been? Guess where the funding for the CIA or DOD would have been? So I'm not a conspiracy guy, but I think about that all the time. Yeah, because you're not the only guy that was there on your team that I've talked to about it. And it's like, yeah, I mean, you guys were clearly at times, you know, an hour or two behind him. Right. And manipulated to not move forward, to not make that or next call directed. For fire. Right. Yeah. Well, and then it's crazy uh, because you look at it grand scale and obviously – I wasn't in Afghanistan. I was. I never deployed. I have not. It's not really my position to say, but at the grand scale of it all, how many successes came out of Afghanistan over those twenty years? Besides zero. Yeah. Right. Like. <laughs> like bizarre. Wait, I thought this was a trick question. I was like, bez- <laughs> well, <laughs> like, no, like someone besides zero. And I don't mean that to take well, anything I, away I, from I anyone mean, who was there. I just mean. I would say even if you called that a failure, which how can you call it a? It, it, it's a national failure. Agree, but n- not on you guys. But you know, the first thing you said about that was the Russians couldn't do it in ten years, and ten of us did it in ten days. Pretty big fucking success in that regard. Like if if you get to the target and they say don't shoot. Yeah. Well, I mean, you can you compare that to Iraq, like a, a couple hundred guys or hundred fifty guys completely took over the entire country in 120 days basically in you iraq and, you and i probably could have taken over iraq geez we should I try mean, not to take away from these guys right no but it's it's not like the hindu kush <laughs> it's just an entirely different entirely different animal like and yeah. for what and for what like just you, I, i'm well, only thinking of this just because like you're well, saying like you're not a conspiracy guy but it's just like well, well okay well ask these for um I, w- I want to, before we leave the Hindu Kush, like how horrible is that terrain and altitude? Afghanistan terrain is on a scale of 1 to 10 and 11, and the enemy is a 1. Yeah, so you're just fighting the terrain, not the enemy at that point. Yeah. Okay, so then you go to Baghdad, and it's... The terrain is a two, and the enemy is a two. <laughs> CJ, you and yeah. I, we're yeah, definitely we, fives. Yeah. We can, <laughs> yeah, we we're going, yeah. well, what, uh, <laughs> what, then, uh, how well were, was there any real resistance at your level? Once in a great while, some of these foreign fighters, once in a while, some random dude would be like, this guy's a fucking badass, right? Like, really? Yeah. So you wouldn't counter them, like from where or who or what would they do? Chechens. Um, they're, they're, yeah, they're, they're definitely it, no. Hey, it, hey, tough circumstances. Yeah. South side yeah. of Chicago, they <laughs> yeah. make some. T- it creates yeah. tough men. Yeah. Uh, the Chechens in Afghanistan were awesome. They they man they oiled their guns, cleaned them daily. Right. Like I had a lot of respect for the Chechens. Um, the Afghans had a ton of respect for the Chechens in in Afghanistan. <clears throat> in um. In Iraq, it was like the foreign fighters, right? These guys came here. They they flooded. We created the market on foreign fighters. So are these not because they're passionate about the cause in Iraq, but they're just anti-American? Yeah, they want to kill yeah, Americans. They just want to get in on the jihad. You know what I so mean? So the Germans and the Israelis. 
kidding, kidding. Yeah. kidding. Uh, but they're they're cool, I'm sure. Yeah, some of those nights, like some of those guys, were were pretty tough. Um, but the reality is, is like, I don't think we have seen like an army size objective in the since World War Two. What do I mean by that? Is like. I mean, think about all, I mean, even the legendary shit that the unit's doing right now, you know, Baghdadi, uh, all of them, man, like all of that is like troop level shit. 10 or 12 guys with some assets can pull that off. You know what I mean? Well, do you think it's going to go away from that? When we talk about technology, we didn't even bring up like fucking drones and yeah, satellite yeah, use and, yeah. you know, I mean, we've been dropping bombs for a long time, but the ability to pinpoint drop them and using GPS and, yeah. you know, using lasers and shit like this to really put a bomb right up someone's ass. Like, that's relatively new. Yeah, I, I don't think, um, like, the size of the fight is going to change. I think that's fairly normal. But what I do think might change is I do think if Europe turns the shit we might see army level shit happening you know yeah, what I, mean? I guess you can't just bomb all of europe right oh. which which means like we might see like all the rangers all the unit all the seals all of socom on like one raid wouldn't that be cool hell yeah but <laughs> my, my wouldn't my, last long yeah my point Ooh. is is like think about this is i don't think that we have fought any war Lately, I think what we do is police actions, right? Like America fights police action since World War II. Yeah. I think what Putin is doing right now is fighting a war. Mm. Yeah. Like he'll just go in and kill everybody. And if, the, if we could just get the civilians out of the way, right, we could go in and kill the bad guys so much easier. So, okay, well, how do we get the civilians out of the way? Ask them to leave. If they don't leave, we kill everybody. Like, it's that simple, right? Like, we ask you to leave, right? So uh, I don't think we've seen real warfare. And we're starting to see it. And in, we're starting to see it in a lot of ways. I mean, look at the number. Look, Ukraine's been going on, what, a few months? And look at the number of casualties of Russian mm -hmm. soldiers already, right? This is real warfare where they don't give a shit yeah, about where, it. Yeah, where, yeah, Putin, yeah, doesn't just, well, I think he doesn't want to kill all the Ukrainians because I think he needs the workforce. Like, you know, the Russians aren't procreating and right you know for them but he to doesn't say seem like to be caring right now fight. like well he's killing some the train there, station and shit 40 million people and he's going right. to take that place over none of us are going to do anything about it and he's going to have 40 million people that yeah work you know for the russian machine that's what he needs people so if he goes and sacrifices you know a hundred thousand russian soldiers fuck he just picked up 40 million right yeah. i'm curious to see about the the finland stuff too because finland finally is like we're gonna we're applying to the to the or to nato he was like, if you sign up for NATO, it's on. Because, I mean, oh, he's right no, there. Man. Finland's right there. And yeah, Finland's Sweden. fucked yeah, Russia Sweden, up yeah. a couple times. I mean. That's the craziest thing that I've seen. And granted, who knows the reality of it. But it seems like their ability as a as a one major force is completely different than what everyone anticipated. It seems like you can beat them if you don't go into Russia. Yeah. Yeah, because they're yeah, going to freeze I mean, you out. Napoleon's probably the greatest general ever, and he made that mistake. Yeah. Well, you got to come into Russia from the east. Or just stay out of Russia. Or in the summer. Yeah. Go in the summer. Yeah, everybody goes in the winter. Yeah. Oh, 
Yeah, they're, they're, those are hard people, man. That's yeah. like all we yeah. talk about: hard times, creating hard men. Yeah, for real. Ooh, yeah. I don't want to go fight in Russia. Mm-mm. No, uh-uh. no. Mm. Pass. Mm.